I'd love to ask you a question. Do you mentor others or do you have a system in place to ensure the people that work for you have a mentor? It is so, so important. And you'll hear me talk about not having a mentor as I came up in my career. And so that's what I talk about in the CEO's Compass. It is imperative to help the next generation. And so my conversation, I am so excited for you to listen to this conversation with Amy McDonald. She had the good fortune of having great mentors in her life. And so she shares a story about one of those situations that I think you'll find quite helpful for you. But again, I ask you, do you have mentors for your people in your organization in order to leave a lasting impact? Let's listen. We had a meeting that was at an offsite location and the projector light bulb did not work, which caused a tremendous stall to the session that had some high level people in. And okay, we fixed it. We got on, we went through the whole the process. And Jack called me into his office the next day. And he said, you know, you made a massive mistake there. And first, he talked about the projector. And at first I thought, wow, like, is he kidding? Like, how would I know a light bulb was going to blow, right? What he really went on to tell me was, you've got to always have a plan B. And you have to know the backup because things unexpected happen. And the lesson he went on to explain with that was that, you know, you can only control what you control and other things are going to happen around you. So know what your next step is if something goes wrong. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I want to thank you for joining me again for another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast, where I get to speak to amazing leaders week after week and bring their insights to you. If you do like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great programming. And now it is my honor to share the mic with my guest today, Amy McDonald. Amy is an experienced food industry executive and award-winning global leader in business growth and culture. And in June of 2021, Amy was named as CEO of StarWest Botanicals, LLC, a platform investment by Incline Equity Partners. And it is Amy's 30 years of experience where she has focused on the flavor, food, ingredient, and pharma biotech markets. And for more than 20 years, she has led multi-million dollar companies at the executive level. And before joining StarWest Botanicals, Amy was CEO and president of a CBD company, Altwell Alternative Biologics, and president of Fona International, a flavor company recently acquired by McCormick. And rather than giving away the rest of her accomplished career, I would love to welcome you to the show, Amy. Thank you, Deb. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to talk with you today. And I as well am so excited because, again, you've ascended into some prominent roles. You are a leader, an award-winning leader, as well as in an industry of flavors, CBD, and I cherish your insight. So it's for that reason I felt this conversation is going to be so valuable to our listeners. 
but I would love to hear more about you. Can you please share more about yourself personally, a little bit about your career journey and the work that you're doing now? Absolutely, Deb. Again, thanks for having me here. And I would say that my journey has been one of from the laboratory to the boardroom. I mean, really, it's been quite the journey. And as it continues on, I really focus on just listening and being curious. So I started out with a science degree from Virginia Tech. So go to any Hokies that are out there, but really felt that my career was going to be at the lab bench and initially working on some natural food preservatives right out of college, but discovered over time that there was something missing from my career. I really enjoyed interacting with people. I loved the science. And I was very fortunate to work for Quest International right out of college. Quest at the time was owned by Unilever. And my journey really was that I spent 17 years with that organization. So starting in the lab, moving into a technical sales role, then a sales role, then various marketing roles, ultimately running their business for craft foods globally and a pharma business as well, and eventually ingredients for North and South America. So kind of had a journey that involved science involved a little bit of getting to know the business side. They sent me over to France for an executive MBA. I came back and they said, well, now we're selling the business. So do you want to be part of the team that helps to do that? So I got a little, a bit of a deep dive pretty quickly into that. Then I spent a brief period, about a year and a half with Carrie and really missed the flavor aspect of my prior roles. You might remember way back in the day, Quest International was food ingredients and flavor. And I think early in your career, you find things that you're passionate about. And flavor certainly was that for me. So I then moved on to Fauna International, where I spent 13 years, primarily in sales and marketing roles before becoming the first non-family member president. And Fauna has been an amazing growth story in this industry, changed the game a bit in some areas as an independent company. And I think, as you know, that company sold last year at record multiples. So my journey at Fauna was absolutely amazing. But came to a period in my life where I wanted to take a leap. And I took that leap into that green space that everyone was talking about a few years ago and is still today, which is CBD, and joined Altwell as the CEO. And that company was founded by people that had prior built and sold muscle milk. So I had a lot of experience in that nutritional space and was a chance for me to lead a, a different type of organization. Well, as we all know, CBD has had its challenges in terms of getting the regulation forward. Um, COVID came into play there. And while I learned a great deal in that industry, there were things that I missed associated with running a larger organization that was in a space associated with health and wellness was still very appealing to me. But I made the leap just recently to Star West Botanicals, where I'm the CEO, as you mentioned. And that's a 45-year-old company recently acquired, so focused primarily on herbs, spices, and botanicals, really leaning towards the organic space. And I can't wait to see what we do with that organization. It's an exciting time. I'm 30 days in, in that new role, but I think it will be a culmination of taking those things that were science, creativity, business, and those leadership opportunities I've had along the way to really pull it all together and accelerate to that growth and the possibilities of what can be done. So first of all, congratulations to you on your new role. I know you're going to do amazing things. I can't wait to see where you take that business entity. But 
you know, if I could just reflect a little bit on what you shared, the insight that I see and I'm curious about is that you talk about leaping. Mm-hmm. You have been passionate. You learned about yourself, what you loved about certain things, but you often Again, after putting in your time and dedication at number of companies, but then something said, I need to take a leap. And taking a leap takes courage, perhaps a nudge, <laughs> perhaps a pull. And some people may be stuck in their roles, right. whether they're part of a corporation or even an entrepreneurial venture. What was it about you or your environment that helped you make these leaps? I've recently been reflecting on that, Deb, so it's a great question, and I'll share a very personal story around that. I've always been a very curious person, and I've I've developed in probably the last five years a theme that is never status quo, right? So it's a theme that I've used in leading organizations, leading people, talking about next business steps. And if I go back about four, gosh, maybe it's almost five years ago now, Right at the time I was becoming the president of FONA, I had a theme that I developed with the organization that was called This Is Our Time. And it talked about challenging the status quo, taking the leap, getting on the field, reaching the next level, turning things on its side. And when I reflect back at that now, my daughter had just graduated high school. I raised her as a single mom since the age of five. And I think part of that messaging was really messaging I was also telling myself. This is my time. And it was time to take that leap and say, okay, I've been the steady. I've been the consistent. I've taken all of these learnings along the way. Now what am I going to do with them? And I think that I've had very encouraging parents along the way, great mentors along the way that have always encouraged me. What's next? Take the challenge. How do you do this differently? And when I look at that theme and how I've led the last five to 10 years, I probably was talking to myself quite a bit, right? So that's probably the, maybe my aha moment in the last year of, this is my time, right? So ready to explore, take the chances and go out there and all of this many decades of learning, how can I apply that and really find something, number one, that I am passionate about, number two, that I can make a difference in but also that I have a piece of, right, to grow and to bring rewards to me over time as well. So yeah, it's just been an aha moment for me along the way. So the reason why I enjoy these interviews, again, slightly from a selfish perspective, is that I'm looking for those aha moments or connections with my guests. Because again, this is about a relationship and in the process, how can we bring values to others? But one of the things that you said was, never accept the status quo. And I will reflect upon myself as a child. Why? 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 And then in my professional training, when it comes to root cause analysis, solving internal or customer issues, always asking five whys. Why did this happen? Why did this happen? To get that deeper context. It's interesting in business that may be celebrated. So hence why you've had a lot of success in an educational environment, while they say we need to create and ask and think differently, sometimes asking why too many times is not embraced. And sometimes people also don't embrace that. And then people will lose their confidence and don't speak up. So I love where you went with that. <laughs> I think it's very true. And I think and maybe that is part of how my journey took me out of the science lab and into business, right? Because I had that curiosity about how something went to the next levels for us to sell a product for its impact a consumer, all of those types of things. So I love the why question. And I think curiosity throughout one's life and one's 
career is one of the best characteristics people can have. Another thing that you brought up, because I'd love to touch on, because I talk about this in my book, The CEO's Compass, as well as in a lot of writings about the importance of mentors and advocates, people that speak about you when you're not in the room or pull you along. And you said that they were very helpful. I'm curious if there's a story where either a mentor or an advocate in your life did make a difference or you were ready to hear the advice because sometimes mentors are there and we're not always ready to hear it. So we'd love to hear a story. Yeah. So I have been fortunate to have many great mentors. And, and one of my greatest was a boss that I had throughout my quest career. And his name is Jack Rush. And we're still in contact today. And I think consider him an extended part of my family. He really challenged me. Jack taught me many things, but the two that are top of mind for me is probably one centered around that never status quo theme, where he taught me how to be different in a presentation to captivate the audience in the story that you are telling and to really get the curiosity and the hunger from the audience and then tell what it is you'd like to share and whether it was a product sale or a story of how a business was evolving or any of those things. He was the crux of that learning for me and really taught me the nuances of of being a great presenter because he absolutely was. But Jack also taught me about being prepared and having a backup plan. And Deb, I'll never forget this. I was probably 25 at the time. And this is how dated I can be. You know, we had the old projectors with the little clear sheets of paper that you'd write on, right? And we would do those time and time again and wipe off all the fingerprints. Well, we had a meeting that was at an offsite location and the projector light bulb did not work which caused a tremendous stall to the session that had some high-level people in. And, okay, we fixed it. We got on. We went through the whole the process. And Jack called me into his office the next day, and he said, you know, you made a massive mistake there. And first, he talked about the projector. And at first, I thought, wow, like, is he kidding? Like, how would I know a light bulb was going to blow, right? What he really went on to tell me was, you've got to always have a plan B. And you have to know the backup because things unexpected happen. And the lesson he went on to explain with that was that, you know, you can only control what you control and other things are going to happen around you. So know what your next step is if something goes wrong. And at that point, it was the very beginning of my sales career and my business career. And that lesson I've applied time and time again, hopefully I've also taught others about that because you can walk into a customer and expect to have an hour of time to present to them. Something's happened with their day and they have 10 to 15 minutes. What's your plan B? How are you going to get to that message that you wanted to communicate or that outcome you were looking for? So I hold that close to my heart as something that kind of was a story where I had my shaking my head a little bit at the early onset of it, but a deep life lesson and something that I hold really close. So I really appreciate that story because I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, but we're always thinking. I mean, as STEM professionals, we have to have a plan, we have to have data, and we're always thinking about how to refine it. So this is really, really sound advice. Be ready. Yes. (laughs) And I always have a plan B. I mean, I never like to be unprepared. Show up early, have a plan B. (laughs) What happens if the GPS doesn't work? Have an idea of where you're going. Got to have the backups. Yes. So that's inspirational onto how have you evolved lessons learned, mentorship along the way that's been helpful. But now fast forward to you've been in a high level position in several companies. And I would love to know 
because I'm also curious. I've written a book. I too have dropped into new situations and you have sometimes those, oh my goodness moments, or you have a plan you have navigate, but sometimes you even have to change the plan. How am I going to be able to understand what I'm dropping into and how best to serve? So I'd love to know if there is a story about your approach to assess, figure out what was needed and help the organization or team. So I'm living it right now. So I have, as I mentioned, I'm just 30 days into my new role at StarWest Botanicals. And that organization was run fantastically for 45 years by family members and is now owned by private equity. The founder is planning to exit the business in a short period of time. So as I drop into that situation, I have to learn very quickly the pulse, the values, the how the organization gets things done, and also apply my knowledge and background in terms of how we are going to accelerate the business. So I think it's very important, back again to the curiosity. So first, when you come into a new situation and you're dropping in, to really listen. Listen to those that have been doing the work and doing the job. Listen to what I call customer whispers. What are they saying about the organization? Listen to all levels of the organization and spend time absorbing. It's very easy to drop into a situation and say, oh, I've seen this before. I know how to change this. Let's go. And as leaders and CEOs, many of us have a lack of patience, right? So we like to do things very, very quickly. But holding on to that patience for a period of 30, 60 days to listen and seek to understand before acting. There has to be tremendous respect for what people have done prior, no matter what level the organization is. And you have to begin that foundation of trust by listening and respecting that prior work before they can trust you to be the leader to take them to a different level. So I think it's really important to take a breath and pay attention and make those notes to yourself and not to come in and even though you might see on day one, two or three things you would change immediately, got to build the trust first and do that by listening at the beginning. So really, really sound advice. And it does validate some of what I have seen as well. And I see two dimensions. You can drop into a very, very large organization and often they will need more people, better people, more technology, things to help with efficiency and effectiveness and get to the next level. What I have found very interesting about smaller and medium-sized entities, and I don't know how big the company is, But often when family run for a while, there is a deep sense of culture, as you said, values, and you really have to take time to get to know the people because only that can, as you say, evolve the trust. A quick story, I've just dropped into a family-owned business myself, a small manufacturing company, and yes, they want me to solve a particular business opportunity, get them ISO 9001 certified. But the very interesting thing is that's what they thought they needed. But what I also felt was they needed a guide, needed somebody to help them see that what they already have is good. We're simply going to evolve and just make it easy because they're managing a million things as like a medium-sized company. And through that patience, (laughs) because I saw a lot of things that, oh, I want to fix. That's really what they think they're paying for they're looking for our wisdom because we want to be sustainable, not just fix the immediate problem. 
That's right. And sustainability and continuing up that path is absolutely key. And it takes that evolution of seeing how all those pieces fit together and listening for them to really create that big picture. So I completely agree. And your situation that you're currently in, I think is such a model. And it it reminds me even just, I mean, we've grown up in the flavor space. And when you think of how challenging it can be when you're working with a customer and a customer is describing a flavor brief, they often aren't able to really describe at first what it is they want. It takes the dialogue, the multiple discussions, perhaps bringing someone technical in to really pull out exactly where they want to head with that product or that adjustment. That example of flavor is just what happens in everyday business too. If we could all describe exactly what we needed in a change, we probably would have gone ahead and done it by then, right? But it takes that soundboard. It takes those colleagues. And, you know, I didn't mention it earlier, but what you're saying right now, Deb, just reminds me that, you know, great mentors and Jack to me, as we described, but it's also surrounding yourself with great colleagues and people that you can learn from. Our Quest family, you know, I've spent 17 years there. Many of us, so many of us are still in touch and really a huge percentage of people from Quest. I know you had Rudy Dieprink on the the chat recently as well. So many of us are CEOs, right? So like we've all kind of stuck together and continue to bounce ideas off each other and learn from each other along the way too. So I, I would say in addition to great mentors, like keep your network alive because that really makes a difference as well. So you bring a good point up, and this is just you and me talking right now, even though we've got some people listening to us. Within an organization, I did tremendous amounts of networking to just give me the knowledge and insight, the customer whispers, as you said. But when I left and started my own business, I realized my network was not as large as I would have liked to. So I, I have the I'm doing it a lot right now. And I will tell you, you start learning those valuable assets, the ones that have your back, the ones you can just pick up the phone versus the ones that are one and done. Right. And so it's really an interesting learning experience as I move on. And to your point, my history with one of those flavors companies in my past, those relationships are why I was invited back in and helping them now that I'm in my own business. So it's, it's really important, the strength of one's network. It is. And the industry is stretching, right? So as we're all challenged with clean label and health and wellness and making things taste great, the industry is stretching. The value chain is stretching. So that network really comes into play because who knew I'd be working for a botanicals company, right? But botanicals play an important role in flavor and taste as well. So it really is important to just keep in touch and keep that network spreading because the value chain is constantly changing. You never know. It may be you're waiting to get a significant win based on a brief you submitted, and it may not be anything to do with the technical capability of the product or service that you're offering, but it's a matter of trust. Yes. And so sometimes there's a phone call to that network saying, help me to understand what's holding you back or, or what have you. That could be the difference between, I don't know, a sale and potentially a very loyal customer. I love that. That's gold. So I just want to recognize you. You have had an impact on people. It's about leaving your legacy. And, you know, I'll bring it up. There was one particular recommendation on your profile from a a person named Mel back a few years ago that talked about Amy is simply the best business sales leader I've ever worked with. She's an excellent coach who has unique ability to critique and inspire 
people at the same time. And I also like to acknowledge you because in your bio, you have been the recipient of several leadership awards in business. And I would just love to know more about the people connection because you talk about listening to the people, but obviously there's qualities and values in yourself that are really making a personal impact on individuals and you're getting recognized for it. Oh, well, thank you so much for that. I mean, I know we have heard the term many times over that people are our greatest assets. And I think fundamentally to my core, I believe that. I think my parents instilled that in me, respect, trust others, challenge others, all of those types of things. But when I think back to the people journey, and it probably also starts with my mentor, um, it, it's how it's how you treat each other and those connections along the way. I get the greatest pleasure from seeing individuals that I initially was in contact with in their 20s, maybe pulled them out of a customer service role into sales, took them through their journey there out of marketing into sales. And there's two young men. I won't say that they're necessarily young anymore. We're all like growing up there, but they're now, they're now VPs of flavor companies. And I knew them when they were in their early 20s and watched their journeys. They didn't always work for me, but we kept in touch and kept challenging each other along the way. And Mel's another one of those individuals. But I think it starts at the core, Deb, in believing that people, in fact, are your greatest assets. And when CEOs are asked, what's the most important thing you do every year? Very often people will come to mind and say, Oh, it's the budgeting process or it's the strategy process. Those are important, no doubt. But I actually think it is the personal review process. And I, not just as a CEO, but throughout my career, spending time to really in-depth review someone and um, talk about the things you brag about, about them, the things you worry about, about them, and the things you wonder if they can do next. And I use that technique to open up the conversation. But I will share with you that probably is the most important thing that I do or those personal reviews, whether it's twice a year or once a year, typically spend two hours or more on each individual. And there has been times where I've had 17 direct reports and I'm in the middle of the night writing these reviews. But it is so important because that person that you are sitting across from as you're having that conversation is craving information about how they're doing, where they can improve, and what they're doing next. And I think, Deb, when you look back at the awards that I've been very fortunate to receive or the great friendships and relationships I continue today with people like Mel or Dave and Art, who are these individuals who are now in VP roles, it's really because we had the dialogue around their career throughout the process that was honest and direct and challenging. And as a recipient of reviews in my career, I can clearly remember times where I had very challenging reviews that were meaningful to me, that required me to change. And I can also remember those reviews where my boss might have just checked a list and hardly said anything. And I would much prefer those challenging discussions. And I think others do too. So like when it comes to people are our greatest assets, it has to go all the way back to how do you dialogue with them and give feedback in an honest, direct, and challenging way? And I, I really think when you set a culture that does that, you engage people, people give extraordinary effort, and it all comes together. 
So that's what's the foundation of my belief in people and how I, whether people continue to work for me, move on to the next step of their career, or if for some reason I had to say goodbye to them at one point because it just wasn't working out, those people are still in contact with me too, because we were honest with each other. And I don't know, that's, I guess, what I would hold as a secret to success. So you warm my heart, (laughs) warm my heart, because I talk about this so often, and I write about it in the book, that people are the greatest tool in your toolbox, and that we need to change the performance review process to start from a place of personal development. I talk in terms of what shall we continue? What should we start doing? What should we change? All positive ways that if you respond appropriately, the people that are hungry for that feedback, often your high performers are craving something that they can action on because they're a can-do kind of person. But even for the person that is just constant and loyal and does their job, or even the problem performer, it's critical to have those conversations to your point. If nothing else, if they have to part ways, you show them respect. That's right. That's right. It's the most important thing we do, whether it's twice a year or once a year, but it is critical. So one last question for you. You have taken the leap. You are in an industry that is constantly changing, evolving, and has challenges. I'm curious about how are you approaching the fact that you are in an industry now that does have these challenges? And yes, you have to navigate the organization to certain levels of performance, but also guide it on a journey that perhaps has a lot of unknowns. I'm curious. I think that in any organization, we talked about starting with listening, but then I think we very quickly moved to from that curiosity stage to the action stage and coming up with a game plan and getting on the field and trying. And it's okay if you try and fail and try and fail, but the whole objective is to iterate and fail quickly so you can learn and to create a culture where failure is also okay. Right. So taking that leap, trying that new thing, go all the way back to never status quo. How are we going to do this differently and expect failure? So I think that setting that tenant for myself, setting it for my management teams and those that they lead as well is really important because ultimately we all have to be solutions finders for internal customers, external customers, whoever it might be. And The one constant we all have is that the world is changing. COVID changed a lot. The way that we work today remotely changes more things. The globalization of the economy is affecting all of us. So iterate quickly, fail fast, keep focusing there and learn from it each time, I think is probably one of the things that I'll apply myself and ask my team to apply along the way. I think that's really critical. You know, that quick takeaway, you've created an environment that it's safe to speak up and try. Just say something. Let's do something. Again, obviously evaluate the risk and opportunity. But you've created an environment that gets people's creativity there because you're willing to accept calculated failure because it's never really, in my opinion, a failure. It's data. We've learned something. Let's go in another direction. That's right. And it's so true. And I think one of my greatest learnings over my career is that You know, you can spend a lot of time strategizing and planning. Remember when we did, and I think some organizations still do like three and five year plans, like how much time has been spent on that, right? I mean, you have to be on the field in the play and try things out to really start to learn and get things done. So you can be back in your office, not talking to customers, not talking to colleagues and try to come up with the greatest plan. You've just got to get out there and start doing and iterate. So it's all about action. 
Well said. Can't top this. We could talk on and on, but we do need to bring this to a close. So if there were any last parting thoughts or maybe how people could get a hold of you to learn from your leadership, what would that be? Yeah, I think parting thoughts would be just that mantra of challenge. Be curious, challenge, find a way. Focus on people and create a mutuality, right, that is sustainable for everyone. So I think that if you hold those tenets true, you'll find success and take the leaps. And when you take the leap, take the action, right? And get on the field, get on the play going and and learn from it. But people can find me on LinkedIn at Amy McDonald, Star West Botanicals. So I've got a super long email there, but it's amym at starwest-botanicals.com. And be happy to connect, continue the conversation. Deb, I've so enjoyed this. And, you know, you've really given me the opportunity to reflect upon so many things in my journey that I really appreciate the opportunity to do so. So so thank you so much. And please feel free to continue to have your listeners reach out. Would love to continue the conversations. All right, Amy, thank you so much for being an amazing guest. I feel this is only the start. I feel like I've known you for some time because what we do resonates so much. So I wish you continued success in your career at your new venture and have a good rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.